The Celtics, at risk of ruining the holiday season for all of us, are struggling. Three <laughs> losses in a row to subpar teams, but is the bounce back on the horizon? And if so, what's that going to look like? Next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Joining me for this one, as he often does, Wayne Spoony Spoons. How you doing, sir? Ben, you know, <laughs> I could be doing terrible. Maybe it's the whiskey talking, but <laughs> nice. I'm very encouraged by that second half. And also, I just feel like we need a palate cleanser. You did it from white. Now he gives you white. Oh, Griffin. Just a little Blake Griffin dunk to get us in the right mindset for this yes. one. Uh, Love that. So good. We can just do that for the next hour if you want. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just replay that in the Raptors dunk. <laughs> Jake Eisenberg also with us. Jake, how you doing, mate? Doing good. Having a beer. Getting ready to go away. Haven't packed yet. So, Dad, if you're watching again, don't worry. I'll be ready to go. Don't, <laughs> don't stress. Um, but yeah, man, I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Shout out to Mr. Eisenberg. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad. Like, this is what we need, right? We need to get together a palate cleanser, like Spoonie said, which hopefully will be the purpose of this podcast, just to get together uh, and ruminate on the seas. And hopefully it will be somewhat cathartic, not only for us, um, but those listening. Guys, the Green with Envy guys, they got or already got into breaking down the Pacers game on this podcast feed yesterday. So let's not spend too much time on this, but very quickly, Spoons, why did the Celtics lose this game? What went wrong in this particular chapter of the uh, of the letdown stretch? Yeah, I think this was the uh, second worst half I've ever seen the Celtics play in the Brad Stevens era. And the first worst half I've ever seen them play was that Spurs game two years ago. When okay, we I was going to say, win. which one are you going to go with? That was nice. And, <laughs> and the irony of that game is we came back and won. Tatum had 60. It was an incredible game. We all thought it was going to be the turnaround for the season. <laughs> It was not, uh, that, you know, everybody got injured after that game. But uh, I just think that first half, I've never seen this team look more discombobulated, misunderstanding what they were supposed to do on the offensive end. And I think the real concerning thing for me in the first half was they were just getting cracked off the dribble. Mm straight line drives by everybody and anybody. It wasn't like Halliburton every time. It wasn't like Matherin every time. It was like Aaron Neesmith going by people and kicking it out. You know, like what's that about? We yeah, <laughs> we watched a lot of Aaron Neesmith. He ain't breaking people down off the dribble on straight line drives without a pick. So it that first half was just so, so bad. And then they turned it around with a great second half, but Man, I, I I don't know if I've ever seen such a bad half from the, these guys in the Tatum era. Yeah, um, the second half was amazing, but it's like, does it count when the other team's up thirty? Um, you would. It, it's good that they played well in the second half. Um, yeah, the offense it was just a disaster. Uh, I think Tatum did a good job of kind of summing up what was going, what's happening with the team in the post game. Just everybody feeling tight. Um, getting away from playing with joy, um, 
that you can talk about what they're running in the X's and O's as much as you want, but it was like no one could beat their guy off the dribble. They just they just weren't playing with enough force, sloppy turnovers, um, just like not a commitment to playing the right way as Tatum's talked about throughout the season. Look, they shot 38% from the floor for the game. Just like don't be the worst offense of all time and you probably win the game. Like, <laughs> And that's kind of been true for like a week now. Yeah, if I'm Joe Mazzulla, I'm starting with that in my next pregame speech. Just <laughs> yeah. don't be the worst offense of all time. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Spence. I, I was just going to say, everyone but Jason Tatum. Yes. Oh, my like goodness. They didn't know what they were doing on offense. I thought Tatum, even in the first yeah. half, Good to go. looked like the, the only guy who showed up and was ready to play ball against the Pacers. Mm-hmm. And the Pacers will run up and down. I said it in the last pod. Jake and I did. Don't turn the ball over against the Pacers. I think we had like seven turnovers or six turnovers in that first quarter. And it's like, that's the one thing you cannot do against the Pacers. And if you take care of the ball, you'll be fine. Yes. And they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So where does this game sit in the like the grand scheme of things, in, at least in as terms of a, a chapter in the story of the slump that we're in? Is there anything new to glean from this particular loss, Jake, or is it just more of the same in this bad stretch for the Celtics? Just more of the same. Um, and I've spoken about it for a couple of podcasts now. This team, they like to fall into their bad habits. We know they can play the right way. Like It's not just a blip, like the first bit of the season. Like Yes, they were playing like the best they've ever played, but they played incredible for three months last year. The Two years ago, I went back and had a look because I had a very distinct memory of them having a similar stretch um, in the COVID year before the shutdown. Um, the year they were the second seed, they were the third best net rating in the league. And from January 6th to January 18th, they were two for si- two and six. They lost to the Pistons, they lost to the Wizards, they lost to the Suns. Like It was just gross. It was like right about this time as well. I remember being on holidays, they dropped an awful game to the Pistons and it's fire Brad Stevens. He needs to yell at them. Tatum's not a leader. Marcus Smart's not shooting enough. This is just something you have to accept with this team. It's just they're going to go through this. They will come out of it at some point. Um, we just don't know when it's going to be. Is that that's the that's the thing? Um, so like you, everybody should be used to this by now. Just it's just it should just let it wash over you. It's going to be okay. Are you used to it, Spoonie, or are you struggling like me? It feels new. Like even obviously, like you said, Jake, we've seen this so many times before, but expectations, the bar of those expectations mm. gets re-leveled so many times throughout the course of a season or an off-season, and that bar skyrocketed within the first you know, 15 or so games of the season, and now here we are. And so to me, the sting isn't any way diminished, even based on the, the history there that you speak of, Jake. I... Am extremely encouraged by this game. Oh, say more. <laughs> um, I was probably at the lowest point I've been in a couple years as a Celtics fan going into halftime when we were down 28. And I think I, I texted our group chat, our Slack, and I was like, just show some fight in the second half. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to dig yourself out of this hole, go back to what made you a great team. And I think that they played an incredible second half. And there, they were two bad calls, maybe one Brogdon horrid, <laughs> horrid transition three and oh a couple Lord. no call um, as I'm running the horrid Brogdon transition three on, on the screen here. Um, 
away from pulling out a 30 point comeback win, right? Mm -hmm. Like they were bad against the magic in the second half or rather in the first half in that second magic game, but we didn't have Tatum. And then the second half, I thought they looked a lot better and they were just missing shots. And then you come into this game, you think, okay, they're playing the right way. And then they just absolutely like, I I don't even know what they were doing in the first half. I Mm -hmm. mean, Derek White was throwing to ghosts. He was passing. He's having a tough time. (laughs) Yeah. And that's my big concern is that super encouraged by the second half. I thought they played incredible. The defenses look great. They're fourth in defensive rating in December, Mm -hmm. which is a great sign. Eventually, it's all going to turn. Everything's going to be just fine. And we're going to laugh about how worried we were. But in the middle of it, obviously, it's scary. But my two big concerns are Derek White does not look like himself. Mm -hmm. And this has been a trend for like 10 games now. And Horford looks really slow on defense to me. I want to give Hill Horford a pass because he his wife has just had a baby. And Spoonie, oh, you and nice. I, at least, we Fair. know what that's like. And, like, maybe he has an au pair or a nanny or something helping his wife out. I'm so that sure he can... he's got, like, three. But, like, he's making depends... 26 mil, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, turns, it depends on what his personal Fair. approach is. Like, he might sure. feel like, you know, he's the kind of guy who needs to get up in the middle of the night and help out. I'm just saying, there, there is a yeah. clear mm-hmm. um, connection between the birth of his new child and the drop-off yeah. of, his, uh, of his performance so Fair. far. Yeah, absolutely. To me, like... I guess the one commonality throughout this slump between each game is that they've gone down big at the beginning of each of them and then sort of found themselves and actually played the way that we sort of expect them to later in the game. But it hasn't been enough. They allow themselves um, to get buried in these big holes. And and to me, you know, it feels like it's a case of everyone sort of expecting the slump to naturally end, especially against a lower tier team like the Pacers. Like we're at home. The Pacers are a relatively poor team. We're relatively healthy. We've got this. And yet, like, it's apparent in their play. Like, slow decision-making, the ball sticking in guys' hands instead of zipping around the perimeter. Again, like, we, we got used to, to knowing and loving. Fewer paint touches. None of these nifty off-ball actions that we fell in love with. It's like an illness. And I think the <laughs> drop in three-point shooting percentage is a symptom of that illness. Because, yeah, Ooh. like, they're still getting some open looks, but they ain't fallen. And that's just offensively. Defensively, do you feel like there's an illness factor as well there, guys? Like, it feels like... There's sort of this contagion that's sort of permeating throughout the team, and it's currently affecting them in all aspects of their game. The defense has been overall much better lately, um, and that's going back a little while now. It's like the last five games, which is the disaster games, they're seventh in defensive rating, 10 games, fourth, 15 games, fifth. So defense is coming around. Like That's, that's for sure. It, it's 100% the, the offense. Um, even, but I will say something that I've, you know, talking about Derek White um, and Grant as well, I think falls into this. Their defense yeah. has not been good enough. Like their number one job, first and foremost, is to be play the best possible defense that they're capable of. Like, yes, the, like we want Grant to be making his corner threes and Derek White, like just shoot your career averages, man. To be making anything. Like <laughs> there have been some atrocious shooting splits. Um, just, you know, be at your career averages. That's fine. But the defense, and I think that that leads to the offense. Make plays on the defensive end. Build that confidence. Derek White clearly seems to be someone that needs to be playing with confidence. Otherwise, he falls apart with his shot. Um, 
make some plays on defense, draw a charge, you know, and he's playing fine on defense. Get a, get one of those, you know, blocks when you're coming around a screen, like just lock in on that end. Cause that's what you've, you've been known around the league for. Um, he's playing at all defensive. I thought he'd be one of the best defenders in the te- on the team after Tatum this year. Um, and that's just kind of, I think the offense has impacted that part of his game. So Grant and Derek specifically, they got to, they got to bring that defense up. I feel like the defense, so this is a BS, no data to back this up, Tate. <laughs> like we've been pulling other teams down to our idiotic level and then beating them <laughs> with experience. And yes, the defensive rating has improved, but watching the team and, you know, especially in the first half where we gave up 70 something points and a similar versions of that against the Magic, like there have been long stretches where the defense has been really, really, really notably poor. And yet somehow we're ending the games with, with teams scoring like relatively roughly under 110 points. It just doesn't feel like there's a correlation between our defensive rating and the on-court product that we're watching every night. Am I crazy? Am I just getting like too stuck in the mire here or is there something to that, Spoonie? I, I, I think at least last night, man, Indy yeah. was absurdly hot from three mm-hmm. in that first half, dude. Like everything was going. Tyrese Halliburton does not miss against the Celtics. I feel like he did this to us last year too, where he, he went like six or seven from three or something like that. So the Duarte there was some, banked three. That banked in. I think he hit two buzzer that beaters. Was a, that was and, great defense too by Grant and Heavily Taylor. contested. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my Lord. One over Rob's outstretched hand yeah. as well. I thought we I, I thought even the first half the defense wasn't great, but I thought it was good enough. It's just the offense was a, an abomination. Um and you gotta think if you're playing bad offense, yeah, you're gonna let teams pick the ball off the rim. And if you miss a layup, which we missed probably a dozen layups last night, then you've got a guy underneath the rim yeah. bouncing into the camera guys, and it's five on four the other way. In Indy plays so fast Halliburton so good when they have a man advantage going the other way that like it just absolutely kills you when you miss shots you got to make the other team pull it out of the basket set your defense so good offense begets good defense and the vice versa is true that's why basketball is a game of runs and our bad offense is putting so much pressure on the defense and I still think we're doing pretty well defensively it's just last night Indy was out of control we still got to focus in a little bit. Jalen got back cut by Neesmith a few times, oh. which is just like bittersweet. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Karen, or no, bad. But. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's tough. I, th- yeah. I think it reminds me a lot of last year in that there was like these hot shooting nights from other teams. And it's one of those things where you're letting them get comfortable and then the confidence grows. Like as soon as you let these guys get com- comfortable, that's when the crazy shots start to go in. Mm-hmm. Um and that's, I mean, maybe we'll get to, you know, get to the kind of the defensive identity, but I think making them uncomfortable to start, that's where you got you to set yourself up for the rest of the game. As soon as the confidence grows, it's like you're in the garden. These like, People want to take you down and you start feeling yeah. good, you know, revenge game, Mo Wagner, like Neesmith. Everybody's, mm-hmm. it's like, it's not easy for these athletes to, you know, come up with reasons to want to kick the crap out of the Celtics. So yeah, you just got to lock in. Yeah, even at this juncture in the slump, the Celtics are complacent. And people yeah. ask, you see it all over Twitter, like, how do all these teams hit all of these crazy shots over us all the time? And the answer is, you touched on it there, Jake. We're just too lackadaisical to begin the game. You know, these teams, they go up, up into big leads, they develop that confidence, and then it's just too difficult to take away. Even though we respond by playing the right way, it's just too late. You can't recover at that yeah. point when you've given them that much rope to begin the game. 
looking at the last three games, obviously we've lost three in a row, I feel like you can, and this will lead nicely into positive takeaways from the game, you can make a justification for each of the three losses. The first one against the Magic, first game back after an epically long road trip that we spoke to Abby Chin in detail about. Second game, Tatum is out presumably to uh, spend some time with Juice for his fifth birthday, a milestone birthday, totally justifiable absence. And then this third game against the Pacers, Marcus Smart is out. And to me, if you're, if it's a, a, a problem of mentality uh, in terms of how the Celtics are slumping right now and mentally they need to lift themselves out of that funk, a Marcus Smart absence is as significant as a Tatum or Brown absence in terms of needing the right kind of personality, the right kind of drive, the right kind of instigator around the team to lift them out of this funk. And the presence of Marcus Smart, hugely speculative, obviously, for me to say this, might have been the difference in the Celtics turning things around in the first quarter rather than at some point in the third quarter. I don't know. I think you're, I think you're grasping at straws to give them any excuses for the Pacers <laughs> game. Like, you, to go down 30, like, there was... I get that Smart was out, but to go down 30 against the Pacers is, in the first half, <laughs> is it impressive. Impressively bad. Um, so, yeah. I Yeah, they maybe... Impressively bad. T- like it's obviously <laughs> they're like shell shocked yeah, against like, this Pacers what is going team. On? They're like shell shocked. Scal on the broadcast is like, I don't even, I don't know what's going on, man. No one. So it's like, yeah. But so again, I am grasping at straws. You're absolutely right. But that's that's what I do. That's what I do in my life, and that's not limited to my Celtics talk. But Marcus Smart, towards the end of the first Magic game, there it was a point where Tatum got a technical, and Smart pulled them all into a little self-made players-only huddle. And yeah. that was the impetus for their almost comeback in, in that game. And I just feel like, you know, our best two players are under 25. And you still do need some sort of veteran mm-hmm. sort of patch for them, you know? And Smart really would have provided that in this game. Let, let me say this, Ben. I think Smart <laughs> is more irreplaceable than Jalen Brown at this point. There you I go. think what Smart brings wow. on the defensive end... I think what Smart brings on the defensive yeah. end and just as a calming influence and the fact that you can run like good offense out of him either running the pick and roll with Rob. He's got incredible chemistry with Rob in the pick and roll and you can post him up. I, I We were talking on the podcast before the game, Jake. I was like, I want to see Smart posting up Tyrese Halliburton because yeah. I think we'll get a ton of good looks out of that. Mm-hmm. Well, Smart didn't play, so obviously we couldn't do that. Um, so... I don't know if we win that game if Smart plays and Jalen Brown doesn't, but I think Smart's more impactful right now on both ends than Jalen Brown has been. Yeah, for the problem that we have currently, which is one of mentality. Yeah, obviously throughout the course of a season, Jalen Brown is a more valuable player, but for where we're at right now, Smart is more important for lifting us out of this funk than maybe Jalen Brown could be. And just look at Jalen Brown's (laughs) performance in that game if you need any evidence of that. Yeah, look, Jalen Brown, as far as busting out of funks go, like, he kind of is more of a catalyst to start a funk at times, I think, than the other yeah. way around. So that's a good point, maybe. Funkier than George Clinton. Uh, <laughs> positive takeaways. Impossible. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Any positive takeaways from this game, Jake? Obviously, we're starting to see the Time Lord ramp up. We mentioned Jason Tatum. We could probably talk about him a little bit more. Let's, let's shift, right? Let's get yeah, positive yeah, yeah. for the rest of the show. What are the positive takeaways from this game? Look, if you're like me and you, you kind of have a strong belief that this team like is going to you know come out of this and be the like legit you know one two contender with Milwaukee you're not worried Rob's play has been so encouraging um I'm going to run a few plays here um uh, my favorite thing about Rob is when 
he no no one sees him and he just like teleports and blocks a shot like no <laughs> idea that he's coming that's my favorite type of rob block you got mo bamba posting up no idea rob's coming volleyball spike into <laughs> yeah. the crowd oh, yeah. um, mo bamba's 7 feet tall and like 72 <laughs> and then the and then the three point contest he blocks um you know wagner and then he some guy Blocks his Neesmith guy. I, I don't know what Neesmith was doing with that. And then I just found this while I was searching. He just kind of blocked Steph Curry in the finals. So I thought we'd show that as well. Um, <laughs> nice. Then it's the offensive rebounding. Like watch some of the offensive rebounds where he looks boxed out by like multiple players and he still gets a rebound. Like Miles Ma- Turner has perfect position and it's like not even a contest. Like those are the two things that he brings to the table that they were just really badly missing was one, rim protection and two, offensive rebounding. Like the offensive re- like the only reason they were in the game yesterday, we'll get to Tatum, was Tatum being an MVP caliber player and Rob, why did he have seven offensive rebounds in the second half alone? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, just absurd. So like, and he got them, so he, got, he buys so many extra possessions. If they could actually shoot and make some shots, um, that would actually be a big deal. So um, Rob's play on both ends, elite. Two words. Jason Tatum. Oh, man. I mean, we need to give Jalen Brown next game off because if this is what's going to happen when we give one of our stars the game off and Mm -hmm. I'm going to run every finish Tatum had at the rim, and these are not when he got fouled. These are just the ones he finished. I mean, he was finished with strength. He was finishing with the right hand. He was finishing with the left hand. He was dunking all over people. Um, unfortunately, one of those people was Aaron Smith. He was grabbing offensive I boards love that over so centers much. and finishing. Down 24, yeah. he was doing that, hustling, grabbing offensive boards. If he's going to play like he did, play angry like that, this team is not going to lose a lot of games, right? And we're at the point where it looks so bleak. It looks so dark. If this team doesn't win 56 games, I will do an episode of this show with an Australian accent when I was very drunk at the finals game. This is a a great emotional hedge because I'll be okay with it as long as we get that. Yeah. It's a win-win now for me and Jake. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just like, it's gonna, they're going to figure it out. Right. And how Tatum played last night, it's just, that's going to lead to winning eventually. Um, especially if you couple it with having the fourth best defense in the month of December. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we just look at that second half, see how they come up, come out against Minnesota. And there's a lot to love about this team, even though they've played like complete morons for the last, you know, six games. Yeah. When Tatum gets downhill like that with intent and gets the perimeter defender on his back, plays with his hips open and like he has a strong base balance. Yeah. Like lower foundational balance. Uh, And it really puts him in this like sort of springboard position to finish. And you you saw in the clip that you just ran, there's be a number of left-handed finishes through traffic, Mm -hmm. which is just like money at this point. Uh, And then just as far as lifting the team out of the funk, Joe Mazzullo said this, I believe in a recent uh, post-game press, or perhaps the comment came out after a locker room conversation, but that the, the team are going to follow suit with how the Jays play. And for whatever reason, Jalen Brown isn't able to lift the team up with his current level of play. For Tatum to come out and have this performance, even though it's in a loss, we talk about what might instigate a turnaround. And, and Tatum coming out and laying this sort of smackdown yep. down and, and unfortunately loss might be the beginning of a turning point for the rest of the guys like Al Horford, 
like Derek White to sort of start to shift and turn their game around as well. And there was no better moment for Tatum leadership, leadership rather, in this particular game than this particular moment. Looks like a forgotten guy since early in the game. There's the steal Boston needs. And the bucket. Did Aaron Neesmith like, do something to Jason Terry? Because the, the stare down was not one of... And, you know, there's so much talk about players in the league being soft and they're too buddy-buddy and too friendly with the hugs and handshakes, not only post-game but pre-game. That was a, that was a mean stare down, a mean mug from Tatum to, to Aaron Neesmith there. Is, there. is there some spite there, Jake, from, from Tatum yeah, there directed is. at Neesmith? It's like, why did you ma- miss every single shot while you were here? Oh, yeah. yes. yes. Oh, this Absolutely. is unbelievable. Yeah. This is unfair. It's like, oh, now you're deciding to play well after we after you leave. You know how many wide open- He's finally op- getting minutes. Well, you know what, how many wide open <laughs> corner threes I sent you away? You th- shot into the backboard um, and like running into me in transition and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, Tatum was pissed off, I think. And that, yeah. that was a- No doubt. I, it's, it's, it is it's just a kind of a bummer just as far as like Celtics lore and highlights go because every time we watch kind of some of these highlights, we'd be like, oh, we were down, down 30, down 20 when that dunk happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, a, that was a big one. Yeah, Tatum, definitely the most positive takeaway from this one. Rob, a close second. Spoonie, I did want to ask you, and apologies, this may not belong in the positive takeaway section, but can you just walk us through, we talked about mentality earlier, the Spoonie to Neesmith mentality. Watching this game is a little bit like sure. running into an ex while you're doing some <laughs> Christmas shopping. <No>. Or- <laughs> I have staked my entire reputation, which is basically nothing, <laughs> on Aaron Neesmith at least being a solid role player. So I'm just actually really happy. This game yeah. is, in effect, meaningless, right? Like, this team's going to win 50-something games, we're, you know, if it's 54, I'll do a show in an Australian accent. It's 57. <laughs> I won't. Um, but I'm, I'm just I'm legitimately happy for him, man. I've watched basically every minute he played as a Celtic. I've watched a ton of Aaron Neesmith <laughs> tape. A ton. I've written a lot of words about Aaron Neesmith. Um, and I'm just really excited and happy that what I saw and why I liked him as a prospect it's actually coming true. And we saw it last night. The backdoor cuts, hit a few threes, hustling, playing okay-ish defense, uh, grabbing rebounds, tipping balls away. You know, just like he's going to be a solid NBA player. So I'm very happy for him. I'm happy that he got to show it in the garden team that traded for him or traded him away rather. Um, So, you know, it's bittersweet. I would have liked that even more had we won. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's great for him, man. Well, he seems like a good dude, too. While you were doing that, I'm like, this this kind of feels like the way you you look, you're so emotional. It kind of feels like this could be, you know, Neesmith's Hall of Fame acceptance speech and Smoothie's out there being like, I'm just, this guy has come so far. <laughs> if I could. Uh, Aaron's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better basketball I love player. it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I'm happy for him, too. Just good to see him, like, having fun because, like, it, there yeah. were some dark, dark moments for him. Yeah, Spoonie, are you aware of the correlation between a Spoonie video breakdown released on our YouTube channel, like, subscribe, share, and then the subsequent drop-off of that player? I, I want to say roughly 18 months ago, you released a clip. Oh, I we am. released a clip. Uh, believe in Aaron Neesmith or give Aaron Neesmith a chance. Another uh, was, chance. Another yeah. chance. It was <laughs> the one and only time that we sort of both collectively got roasted on Twitter. 
And then fast forward to a week or two ago, Dwight shoot Mm. great video, which I think as the season bears out and stats and things of that (laughs) nature balance out, the video will still be relevant. Since then, people talk about the JJ Reddit curse. What about the Wayne Spoonie curse on, on Derek White? The yeah, I cursed Derek White. He had one bad game. I released that video, and he's been borderline a G League player yeah. since I dropped Dwight. Shoot, how Derek became the assistant to the starting lineup. I I don't know, man. The only guy who's safe from it is JD. Mm-hmm. He's still balling in the G League, and I did that long video about him during summer league. But yeah, I. I think I got to stop making videos, Ben. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I got to start making videos about, I'm going to make a Giannis yeah, video. Yeah, make a Giannis video, yes. a Jonathan Mitchell video, Chris Durant. Yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. yeah, Mitchell Durant. Middleton. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Another stinks. way of looking at it, you could make a Jalen Brown is terrible video. Yeah, maybe that's oh, new. There we go. Jason yeah, Tatum will yeah. never be MVP of this league. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go hater Spoonie. Yeah. <laughs> So right. as we look to, to move on here, I said, guys, before we started recording, we'd look to keep this a, a short podcast. We're 30, 30 minutes, minutes in. We're in. still in our A block. I was thinking about that a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> quick look at the seeding in the East as you know, each team has been on their own little individual journey here. The Bucks seeded number one at 22 and nine. Then us, the Celtics, 22 and 10. The Cavs nipping at our heels, 22 and 11. Then the Nets, they've completely righted mm-hmm. the ship, 20 and 12. And then those pesky, annoying, trust the process, ugh, 76ers, (laughs) 18 and 12. Uh, Of those teams, Cleveland have the easiest strength of schedule, then Milwaukee, then Boston, which is a little bit concerning. I suppose the question to ask you at this point, because there will be jockeying in that top five as the season goes on, but Spoonie, of those teams, which of them are you most afraid of in terms of matching up with in a playoff series? I'm going to say other than the Bucks because yeah. I think it's easily the Bucks mm-hmm. because Giannis is allowed to commit 100 offensive fouls <laughs> a quarter. Um, man, I can't shake this. I know we own them, but Don't I cannot shake my worry about the 76ers, what? man. <laughs> I know. I know. Why? I feel like locked in, smart, locked in Derek White, Brogdon, Jalen, Tatum. We got people to throw at Mitchell and Garland. I'm not worried about the bigs. Like you can just play off of Mobley and and Allen. I'm not super worried about the Cavs. The Nets, like we took their lunch money last year. I'm not worried about Ben Simmons being added to that team. He's barely played, frankly. It's been basically KD and company dominating. Mm -hmm. Man, MB, if MB gets going, dude, nah. he's hard to stop. And Al's looking a little old. Don't fall into that trap, Spoonie. I know, I know. He's guilty until proven innocent as far as I being know. a pl- playoff choke, playoff choker. Jeez, I choked through that entire sentence. Apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just never shown to be a dominant force in the playoffs. Really, I'm sure Sixers fans will throw some stats at me to prove otherwise. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the case. What do you think, Jake? Embiid stinks, man. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Um, yeah, no, I, like give me the give me the Nets and the Sixers. The way that I look at it for the Celtics is um, t- the Celtics play really well against teams that have soft defenses. Um, that's why we kind of destroyed the Nets. The Sixers have just never just don't have people to guard us. Um, as good as Embiid is in the paint, like you just wear him down. Like we are so good. 
so good at defending him. As soon as he puts the ball on the ground, like everybody's just way too good at it. The Nets will just just avalanche of of size and power and dimensions. Um, for me, it's the Cavs outside the Bucks. Um, again, I, I think that would still be not a huge issue. It's really the Bucks and then everybody else. Um, but yeah, the Cavs. I think Donovan Mitchell's just like flamethrower. Scary. Like he had 45 against the Bucks yesterday, um, which yep. speaks to the Bucks in this whole like they've changed their defense thing. They really haven't. They still give up like wide open threes to like mm-hmm. a lot of players in this drop coverage and stuff. So someone like Mitchell, um, the Cavs, the the Bucks better hope they don't match up with the Cavs in the playoffs because um, I think Mitchell will just like average like 35 in that series. But yeah, it's the Cavs. Garland too, dude, yeah, just same. pulling up. Yeah. And, oh my god, yeah. Ben, I like to what about out, you, I, Mr. Mr. Yeah, Scary Ben, Cat? come on. I take the Celtics <laughs> in every series. Uh, I just think at this point, and particularly once we, assuming we write the ship at some point and, and turn things around and, and find our way again, the collective experience of not only like we had an identity to start the season, we lost it, and then we found it again, and we're going to get to identities shortly, plus the finals run, all of the collective experience between the Jays and, and Marcus Smart and Horford, etc., I just, uh, it would be difficult to doubt them in any of those matchups, uh, except for the Bucks, I suppose. Spoonie, like you mentioned, that's the one takeaway in that throughout the course of a up to seven game series, Giannis can just dominate uh, and particularly do- dominate the, the collective mindsets of the referees and somehow convincing them to make calls <laughs> in his favor in every single instance. But the Celtics are slumping right now. I think motivation is a huge factor of that. And they haven't been motivated to get up against these last three teams, the last two teams in the last three games. I don't see motivation being a factor at all in the playoffs. And Tatum, Brown, Smart, these guys know how to win in the vacuum of a playoff series. So uh, I guess I'm not worried about any of them. Or maybe that's <laughs> me sort of coaching myself out of my current mindset, which is like, I am depressed. The Celtics suck. I don't know where to go from here in my life. So no, they that, don't that's, suck. that's where I stand. We don't suck. The peak version of the Celtics is better than the peak version of any other team in the NBA. And that's just facts. Yeah. Agreed. Much more succinct way of saying everything that I said. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Uh, we should look ahead to the Timberwolves game initially. And if you're looking at the thumbnail for the, the YouTube uh, instance of this podcast, the Bucks are there. I completely... <laughs> Completely missed the the T wolves. Overlooking them already. Perfect. Yeah. So was I, Jake? Was I right to overlook the Timberwolves? Do you think this is going to be the the beginning of the bounce back for the Celtics? How do you think this game's going to bear out? Unfortunately, because now that I've kind of realised um, the similarities of the Celtics and how much I like to do this, um, <laughs> you would like to think this is the bounce back, but the reality is it's probably not going to be the bounce back. I think it's probably going to be the Bucks game, and mm-hmm. it's going to be like, oh yeah, see, when it's a big game, they get up, yada yada. Um, but you know, it's like blackjack; the next one's going to be the one. The dealer's busted in the next hand. Like it almost doesn't. I, like I don't feel like there's a rhyme or reason to like you know the the, the turnaround last year happened after the RJ Barrett, you know, banking, banking. But there was plenty of other disgusting losses that they could have just picked to turn it around after. Um, I don't like it was there was no massive personnel changes there was there was nothing there's nothing in particular outside of just like playing the right way um and committing to it day in day out just like anyone trying to do anything in their life it's just you wake up and you decide to do it and, and that's what you do um I've been doing a thing where I don't look at my phone for the first hour of a day for the past 4 days so look at me my turnaround is is in in motion um <laughs> so maybe it's a, maybe that's 
and it, and it hasn't coincided so far. So uh, maybe I need to look at my phone before the game tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at that phone because we're going to murder the Timberwolves. Okay. All right. Say more. Murder them. <laughs> we're going to run Rudy Gobert off the court. Al's going to find a shot. And he, Gobert, you can put Jalen Brown on Gobert. And he's not going to punish you in the post or anything like that. So that just leaves Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell to deal with. And because Cat's hurt, Cat's not playing. And frankly, they've been playing better since Cat got hurt, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of interesting uh, from a team building standpoint. But we match up incredibly well against this Bucks team, especially or this T-Wolves team. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, look, I'm overlooking them as I'm talking about (laughs) I, I just think we f- we found our identity against the Pacers in the second half, and I think they're going to come out gangbusters against the T-Wolves, and they're going to run them off the floor. A quick cleaning the glass breakdown. Minnesota, 112.6 points per possession, good for 16th in the league. Celtics, uh, 100 and, wow, I've not written that stat down correctly. I want to say 100. It's 1.88 and one, yeah, or per 100. <laughs> per 100 rather. possessions. Thank you for yeah. saving me there, Spooty. Minnesota, <laughs> they're ranked 10th in points allowed per 100, 112.8. Minnesota are ranked 4th in shot frequency at the rim. Uh, they're also ranked 9th at shooting accuracy in that short to mid-range, while the Celtics are ranked 28th defending in that area, a potential area for concern. And Minnesota, their three-point defense is ranked 28th so if at any point our three-point shooting is going to find itself it might be against the 28th ranked three-point defensive team in the league i think that's a a really good opening for our guys to find themselves but they still have to do and address all the points that we've already discussed which is essentially getting that ball to zip around the perimeter again playing the right way and finding those wide open three-point shots in the right way as opposed to one pass away lazy offense just back yourself like Tatum talking about these guys playing timid and tight. Like play with fun. Like you, you're, you guys are awesome. You were in the finals last year. Like you're one of the best teams in the league. Just ram it down their throat. Get in the paint. Like D. White. Come on, man. Look for the pick and pop with Al Horford mm-hmm. because that's going to be an open three for Al every single time Rudy Gobert's on the floor. Every time. So if Al finds his stroke, man, this is going to be a blowout. All right, we're going to take a very quick break to hear a message from our sponsors. First of the Floor is proudly sponsored by Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all the one for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code FIRST18 for free shipping and 20% off. That's the code FIRST18 for free shipping and 20% off. It's important to find a grooming routine, and for me, that's thanks to Manscaped. As an aging gentleman, I can keep my shoulders and back looking bare, giving me the confidence to wear that Marcus Smart jersey to the beach this Australian summer. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package, plus... Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawn Mower 4.0 Body Trimmer and the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate presence. 
Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer, the Platinum Package Shower Products. Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stuffer, add in the brand new Body Buffer and incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old loofah. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FIRST18 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FIRST18. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Guys, if you can believe it, that ad read was sped up to 1.25. Oh, nice. (laughs) Enhanced playtime. Still a long ad read, so thank you for bearing with us there. And of course, you can use that code FIRST18 to get 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Not going to be time for Christmas, but if you want a clean area for your New Year's party, perhaps if you're a younger gentleman or, or <laughs> madam, for lack of a better term, then you can use those codes to get yourself some, some cheap uh, manscaping equipment there. Uh, very much recommended. Jake, <laughs> shifting gears entirely. Yes, please. What, what, Come on. What is, what is the Celtics identity currently? Is that a problem? And what should they be looking to shift that identity towards? It has been an offensive identity um, so far this season, for the most part. Um, the defense is definitely coming along, but it's not near the level where it was last year. Where um, obviously, you know, there was you know best defense in in history type statistic coming out. Um, that's where they need to hang their hat on. Let's get back to the quotes about guarding your own yard and not getting cracked off the drill by Aaron Neesmith. Um, that's something that carries. That carries no matter what. You can be missing shots. Um, Landon Lakes, what a hero in the chat here. Um, my dad's like number one basketball advice was like, no matter how you're playing on offense, you can always play hard on defense. And it's just so true. Like, mm-hmm. De- and, and I think I said, it, I talked about it with Derek White and Grant. Like, that's something you can always bring to the table is like really locking in on your defensive assignment, getting on the defensive boards, helping aggressively, staying locked in. Um, that's something that travels on the road. It's something you can bring every single night. And I think that that's where they need to get back to, where they have the personnel for it. I know that Al um, hasn't looked especially good the last few few days, but like up and down this roster is just an absurd amount of defensive talent. Like Sam House is the only one on the team that is getting real minutes that's not an elite defender. And even Sam gets on the defensive boards. Um, I've been calling it the house trap where people try and ISO him one-on-one. He's fine in space for the regular season. He's not even playing that many minutes for it to really, you know, impact your overall defensive impact. They have to come out. I want to see one of those one of those games where they just really obliterate the other team defensively, like the Utah game from last year in the garden really stands out where there was quotes from Oscar was talking about um, Donovan Mitchell's looking at the sideline. He's like, I don't know what to do. We're like, well, I don't know what they're doing. Like, there's nowhere to go. They're switching. They're flying around. Ro Williams is teleporting um, and dunking you into the rim. Um, that's what that's what's going to take this team, and that's what kind of is slump proof is that level of defense. Yeah, I agree. And you can imagine prior to the season a conversation along the lines of, "Look, guys, Time Lord's going to be out for an extended period." We need to adjust what our identity and what our approach is going to be, at least to begin the season. And taking on more of an offensive identity is sort of the logical, reasonable adjustment there in lieu of like an all-time defensive center starting for you every single night. So it, it makes sense that that was the 
identity adjustment prior to the season. And perhaps it, it speaks to why there's a bit of a slump, why there's a bit of a downturn now in terms of a correlation with Time Lord's return and making that identity shift towards defense. But I absolutely agree with you, Jake, in terms of it's easy to be consistent defensively, whereas offense is, by its very nature, high variance, especially if you're trying to throw them in from you know 30 feet every single night, even if they are wide open shots. What are your thoughts, thoughts Spoonie? Um, regardless of the offense and defense, I want to have them get back to their identity being play with pace. Yes, like that. Defensively, fly around, get in people's airspace. Those switches, make them crisp. None of these lazy, half-hearted switches where guys aren't sure. It's like if you switch hard and switch fast, the other dude, even if it's not the right thing to do, We'll switch because it's like, all right, well, he took that guy. I'll yeah. take the guy that I'm sitting on who set the pick. Like, play fast, play quick. Team makes a shot, pull it out of the basket and get up the court. Start your offense with 19 seconds on the shot clock, not 15 seconds on the shot clock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a long rebound. Go, go, go. Hit him in semi transition. Hit him in transition. This team just feels so lethargic for the last six, other than the second half. Of this yeah. of this Pacers game. game. Yeah. yeah, and the second half of the Magic game, it just feels like they're in slow motion. Even the Lakers game, really, even though they somehow won that game, like the Lakers came back and the Celtics were walking it up the yep. floor and just lollygagging around on defense. Like, oh, I hope they miss that shot. No, get in their airspace, contest, fly around, get back. If you know, if you get pump faked, get your ass back on defense and Get to the boards in case he misses the shot. And that's the identity this team won with last year. It was like the defense was all-time incredible. It was because they played defense with pace. They were determined. They knew exactly what they were going to do. And the more confidence you play with on both ends, the quicker you play, the more it makes the other team uncomfortable. And then that's when you start blowing teams out. So that's what I want to see. Keep running what they did in that second half against Indiana. Play with purpose on both ends. Get to the bucket as well. You saw it in the yeah. the late in the first half against Indiana. Jalen Brown, I guess if there's one positive thing we could say about him, is he ended that first half with multiple possessions of getting to the rim and finishing. So that they know the right way to play to get to your point, Spoonie. And I've said this personally on the podcast too many times since the, the quote was was uttered by Jason Tatum. It's a choice that the Celtics can make. Mm-hmm. Like they know that that's available to them as a choice to make, and they're just not making it on a regular basis. But you know, December, Christmas, things are winding down for the year. You can kind of like you can buy into Deuce's the mindset. Fifth birthday, yeah. yeah. Like- and like personally, I hope no one that I work with listens to this. Like I'm completely <laughs> that is my life right yeah. now at work. No like doubt. I'm just coasting, and so you know these guys guys get paid tens of millions of dollars per year. So we shouldn't necessarily lay on them the same expectations that we have on ourselves. And yet, like you can start, it's easy to come up with reasons as to why they're not buying into an identity of any sort other than that of a losing team. Any thoughts, yeah, look, we're, yeah. We're, not, we're like, we're not getting, like we're getting close to the tens of millions per podcast, um, but like we can't <laughs> quite get in the mindset of- Like and subscribe, people. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Please. To get please. as close to, to, ten, to a 
Yeah, there we go. Tens of dollars. <laughs> tens of dollars. That'd be sick. Um, I'm sure yes. there's a currency conversion where it could be tens of millions of like yeah. Indonesian rupiah or something like yeah. that. Yeah, minus like 40 years of inflation. Um, yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, look, they're humans. Uh, this, this is this kind of just happens um, from time to time, and especially with these guys. I, I would just say, get the ball to Tatum. Get the ball to Tatum. You know what? You know what I've been thinking about a lot, right? It's really hard to play with pace on both ends for 82 games. Like, yes. trust the bench a little more, Joe. Ooh. Go let Peyton Pritchard yeah. play. He's- let Sam Hauser play a little bit more. You know what I mean? Let, but like Brogdon's been playing like 23, 24 minutes. Get him up to 28. You know, he's not hurt himself. Are you sure? Yet. Are you like, Brogdon right now? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Brogdon's, we haven't talked about that. Brogdon's been really bad, but I just mean like, Limit the like you see Giannis plays like low thirties minutes and every minute Giannis is on the floor, he's playing a hundred percent, right? Because his minute load isn't like Tatum and Jalen's where it's high thirties into the forties. Like trust the bench a little bit, man. Like see what see what Peyton Pritchard can give you every single game. Like there is no reason Peyton Pritchard doesn't get six minutes of run a game. And if he's got it that night, mm-hmm. let him go out there for 20 minutes, you know? And that's like you get you get everybody playing, you get everybody touching the ball, you get everybody flying around on defense, and it lowers the the load on the Jays so they can keep playing that way for 35 minutes, 34 minutes. So I, I'd like to see Joe trust the bench a little bit longer, especially if Tatum's out there, man. The bench and Tatum's killed people his mm-hmm. entire career. Yeah, and our depth is such that with Pritchard, if teams start to attack him relentlessly, like you can just pull him. You've got yeah. Derek White, you've got Marcus yeah. Smart, you've got Malcolm Brogdon, yeah. who might actually benefit from more minutes, which could equal more rhythm and more continuity. Right. With the rest. He has been struggling lately, so perhaps more minutes is actually the uh, the antidote to that. Yeah, just just try some stuff. Get get moving. Um, look, and it's regular season in the NBA. Like, rarely is there are you coming up against a team like if Anthony Edwards wants to like. Hunt Peyton Pritchard and ISO on him, like go for your life, man. Like that's that's not going to be helpful. Um, yeah. So despite that's why Rob's there, exactly, totally, yeah, one hundred percent. And despite all of this, despite the the slump and everything, number two ranked offense, number seven ranked defense, and a commonality between all title contending teams or championship winning teams is a top ten in both, and to have. You know, two, like, obviously offense in the top five, very much creeping into the top five defensively. Like, zoom out, look at the macro side of things statistically, like, things look good. So, hopefully that starts to bear out on a game-by-game basis. Obviously, we're overlooking the Wolves, so we can look forward to that at least yep. being the case against the Bucks, Guys, uh, before we wrap up, just to completely move on here, the yep. end-of-year holiday season is upon us, and no matter what you celebrate, every individual, <laughs> every family, they've got their own... Christmas tradition. And I'll say Christmas because that's what my family celebrates, obviously acknowledging and taking into account that different people from different parts of the world celebrate different things. The one similarity is that things stop for a moment of time at this part in the year. So Jake, we'll start with you because you live just down the road from me really here in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> and I feel like it might be similar to my take. What's your favorite Christmas slash holiday tradition? Nice one. Yeah. Like my house is a, is a Christmaker house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Eisenberg family. We do do a little bit of a mix, um, and again, shout out to Dad. He's been playing the seeds for thirty years, um, where he's made it okay to watch sport throughout the Christmas break. And 
specifically this year, um, Christmas Day in Australia, there's going to be NFL football on from 4 a.m. because I'm going to be up north in um, Brisbane from 4 a.m. to like 3 p.m. You know, I'm not going to be able to watch football that whole time, but it's I'm going to be able to get some good chunks in and then you follow that up on Boxing Day with the NBA. Um, so that honestly, like loving spending time with my family, of course, but the fact I get to do that plus my favorite pastime of watching sports and drinking beers. Um, that's just living. That's just living, Barry. <laughs> Spoonie, what about you? Uh, well, this year I, I'm really looking forward to – so my my kid will be two in February. Nice. So this is the first Christmas he'll like understand what's going on. So nice. I'm very much looking forward to like waking up and having him rip through presents, mm. ignore the presents and play with the wrapping paper the whole time. But uh, <laughs> that's going to be great. <laughs> but yeah, it's just um, having hoops on all day long, forcing my entire family to watch the Celtics because we usually play on Christmas is always the best. Um, we used to do a, I, I no longer live up with my, you know, my family anymore, like the Spooner side. So I will not be up there. We went up there for Thanksgiving, but we always, always used to have the whole family over, have a nice prime rib, dude, and yeah, just rip nice. into that. Have a few beers, watch some basketball, or rather, I watch basketball. Everyone else ignores it's on. <laughs> it's just a good time. It's just great. Yeah, I struggle, and this isn't obviously my favorite Christmas tradition, but with the basketball watching, because like, unless you are US sports inclined, like Jake and I are, like, it's sort of like no one really gets it. And so, mm. to <laughs> separate yourself from the rest of the family here in Australia to put on an American sport. You know, at 9 a.m. So 9 a.m. Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, is when the Bucks game is on. And I'm lucky that we're driving up to my folks' place on the Central Coast about an hour and a half away from here. We'll leave at about 11, so it'll be just after that game ends. I should be able to watch it, but it's kind of awkward. Like we're getting ready. We're packing the car. I'm catching a few possessions every now mm. and then. It's not like it's not great. It's, it's hard to sort of separate yourself from the family on Christmas for American sports, but... The Boxing Day Test Match, and Jake, oh, yeah. I hope you know what I'm talking about. That is something the family can get behind. And Spoonie, if you don't know what the Boxing Day Test Match is- No idea. It's it's day one of the Melbourne, the second best city in this great country, Australia, mm. uh, of the Melbourne Test Match of Cricket. It's a five-day match. I think it's going to be against South Africa this year. We've been dominating them so far early in this Test Match series. And it's just sit down, maybe the one excuse to judgment-free crack a beer at like 10 a.m. Yeah. and watch the game with your family and everyone gets behind it. And between innings during uh, tea break and lunch, you get out into the backyard <laughs> with the cricket bat, throw the ball around a little bit, hit some sixes, and you, you develop these sort of custom, based on the layout of your backyard, custom cricket rules. Like if you oh, yeah. snick the ball off your bat and it hits the garage door, you're out. You know, if you hit the neighbor's driveway on the full year out, little traditions like that. Australian Christmas is uh, is what I look forward to. I did have a little picture here to bring up. To just I understood a- about half of what you were saying there, but it sounds like <laughs> wiffle ball. Well, it's like, it's just yeah. it's baseball, but it takes uh, five days to get a result. Yeah. <laughs> um, sounds electric, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's great. One, I'm, I enjoy it because it's just. You, you're checking in, you're having some food, you you know, you, you turn around, something's happened. Um, but the great thing is this is something that people want to sit down and watch, mm-hmm. which means if you have a second screen, like Ben and myself, it just so happens that we can all be sitting down watching basketball and cricket at the same time and everybody's great happy. Great point. And, and when the yeah. conversation 
dries up in the familial Christmas catch-up. You know, the cricket is there as a talking point, as a discussion, yeah. you know, instigator. It's there for a reason. I, th- I feel like they know as time goes on how much the family struggle develops over time. Oh, so it's, uh, especially once you get to Boxing Day. Like you've had, you've had Christmas Eve, you've had Christmas Day. It's like oh, we need something to distract us from whatever we've been talking about for the past two days. So, crickets. Boxing Day. Not a thing in the United yeah, States. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't exist. Just Boxing Christmas Day Eve, test. though, sounds like it's probably a bigger deal. Yeah. Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve is like, yeah. yeah, we used to do do it big on Christmas Eve often. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Spoonie, we'll, we'll try and hit you up with the stream link for the Boxing Day test so you don't I can't, wait. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to break it all down on the next episode of the podcast. Hey, babe, you know how I just watched 10 hours of uh, basketball? Here's five days of cricket. Five days of cricket. It's culture. Finally- to wrap yeah. up here, and folks in the chat, let us know your answers to this as well, please. What Celtics-related gift do you want Santa to bring down the chimney and put under your tree this Christmas, Spoonie? <laughs> uh, well, Ben, you already got me the most perfect, amazing Celtics gift anyone could ever give. Uh, Boston Celtics Aaron Neesmith jersey. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to get Derek Smith. Removing his head from wherever it is currently stuffed, whether that's a ham, a prime <laughs> rib, pulling that out, getting back to playing how he was playing for the first 20 or so games of the season. That is the gift I would love. I think you just conflated Derek White and, and Neesmith by saying Derek Smith. But we've gone for an hour. You're, right? yeah, yeah, I, I mean, but you're onto something by calling him Derek Smith. That says everything yeah. we need to know about where Derek White is at at the moment. Derek Absolutely. Yeah, Gray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom, look, man, look, you're welcome anytime. You're in Australia. Come on down. We'll, we'll show you the Boxing Day tradition. Um, we might do sm- our first yeah. Celtics and chill live stream on Boxing Day. Who knows? Yeah. All right. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jake, I interrupted so, you. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, mine's the same. Anytime I'm thinking about if I find a genie lamp, I'm like, okay, one, I'll make a wish for myself. Two, it's um, Tatum to have a 40% career three-point shot. Um, I just wanted to just live in the 38 to 42 range for his whole career. Um, because it's... Tatum three point shots. There's just something about them that make me, make me so so happy. So that that would be what I would like in my stocking this year. I love the idea of Santa receiving that wish and he's like <laughs> yeah. subscribing to Second Spectrum and like looking yeah. at all the analytics and trying to make it happen for you. <laughs> Putting some notes on the Missoula's pillow. Synergy account. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> love it. I only yes. have one wish for Christmas as far as uh, Celtics desires, and that's uh, more of this. Picked up the so foul. Have faith and have patience. Yeah, no doubt. Smart picked up the foul there. Siakam went one and two from the line and a slam dunk and a foul. Oh my uh, god! Blake. I should have known. <laughs> I should have known. Blake dunking was coming. Look, I'm a simple man with simple needs. <laughs> now, now that he's back to his once a week, you know, role, we should be because he he was just. I think he felt like he was shrinking throughout the road trip. He was just yeah. like he can dunk in Toronto. By the time we got to the Lakers game, it was like he may as well be Peyton Pritchard's size. It's just yeah. we, we got to get this man he's some. Do, he's due for some minutes here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he's ready to roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us, and shout out to everyone in the YouTube chat as well for for keeping tabs with us along the way. Some housekeeping notes, real quick. First, if you enjoy the pod and you want to support us, we're not asking for money. We don't have a Patreon or anything like that. 
leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Let our new employers at Celtics Blog know that they've hired the right people. Beyond that, subscribe to our YouTube channel, comment, like, share, engage with the show because it puts us in favor with the algorithm and puts our content in front of more eyes. This week, our very dear friends at Green with Envy are taking a well-deserved break. Uh, We're going to try and pod throughout the holidays, though, so stick with us. We should have some more podcasts out as soon as directly after the Bucks game, unless our plans change there. And if it's just an incredibly depressing result, we may not bring that podcast to you. So it's sort of circumstantial in that regard. That's (laughs) it. Any final takeaways, guys, before we wrap up? What a year, fellas. Let's keep it rolling. (laughs) Been fun. Yeah. Looking forward to another year with you boys and Celtics by 30. 100%. Ditto, yeah. absolutely. Tomorrow and on. <laughs> Hell yeah. Against who? Anyway. Oh, uh, right. You all Bucks. And Bucks is our next game. <laughs> Derek Smith, Spoody. let's go. <laughs> My boy. All right. Happy holidays, everyone. Go Celtics. See ya.